Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
us, we would think, well, what a great time of celebration that someone who was sick would be miraculously healed. But when you read the passage of Scripture, it proves to be anything but a moment of celebration. Instead of celebrating the moment, criticism from religious leaders of that day began. They were concerned not that a man had been healed, but that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. And so they missed the miracle that has taken place in this man's life because of the letter of the law that they are trying to adhere to. And so weary in body and mind and soul, and we've all been there. The scripture says that Jesus sought refuge in prayer. He desired to simply separate himself to spend the night in prayer. And so as we read through Luke 6, we find that his reason for prayer certainly went beyond a personal refreshing although I believe that prayer refreshed him and I believe that prayer refreshes us. I think I can safely say that we have, uh, many of us, perhaps a vast majority, if not all of us, have been to the Lord in prayer and perhaps when we finished praying, our circumstances were no different, but the Lord had certainly changed us in that prayer. Maybe we were facing the same situation, but God had just breathed a little bit of strength and a little bit of life or a little bit of hope a little bit of a different perspective. And so certainly I believe that that was a part of this prayer. But the key event that followed this all-night prayer meeting was was that the next morning Jesus gathered his disciples together and from among those disciples, from among those followers, he chose 12 to be apostles. Now that's not a decision to be taken lightly because it is upon the shoulders of these 12 men that the future of the church is certainly going to rely. So we must get this as close to right as we can. And so it's not a decision to be taken lightly. The future of the church is going to depend on it. And as a matter of fact, uh, our lives in 2019 are affected by this all-night prayer meeting and the choice of these people. It was one of those, one of perhaps the most critical decision that Jesus faced while he was on earth And it was one that demanded a season of prayer, a season of prayer. I believe that it's safe to say that all of us have had those those moments in our life where everything is going fine and then just suddenly one phone call and we are now facing one of the greatest challenges of our life. Amen. Just... Just one little notification. And it's not something that we're going to be able to wade through in just a couple of minutes. This is not going to be fixed in just a matter of moments. But it can present to us just one of the greatest challenges of our lives. Moments like that, situations like that can drain you physically. It can drain you emotionally. It can drain you spiritually. We're left to try to figure out how we're going to deal with this situation. How are we going to try to find a new normal? How are we going to try to move past today? Because I think there are some things that we face in life that you never get over. But you must get beyond. And so we're going to have to have some godly perspective if we're ever to figure out how... Am I going to get beyond this day? This seems all-encompassing. It seems as though 
Uh, it seems as though our life will never be the same, and perhaps in some ways it won't. There will always be a remnant of that yesterday there, but I don't believe that God ever intended for us to live in a yesterday. Amen. And so we've got to gain perspective from the Lord to see how we are going to be able to get beyond this moment. And so we're left to figure out uh, answers to, uh, to questions that just seemingly keep coming and they just keep coming and they keep coming. Now, I may only be talking to me today, but I don't think so. The pressure of having to make a decision can often uh, create such an uncertainty as to what the right decision would be. Because many times it, it almost seems multiple choice. It gets very confusing. We have uh, sometimes, uh, many times, when we are faced with a, a true crisis in our life. Now, I don't want you to disconnect from me. For the, I don't really want you to disconnect from me at all. But I, I surely don't want you to disconnect me from me for, over the statement I'm about to make. But I think sometimes there's a, a, a human tendency. There's just a, uh, an, an inward proclivity to when we are going through something to pick up the phone and call a friend or a family member and talk to them about that situation. And that, that's not an evil thing to do. I, I'm not saying that. But sometimes we find it more, we are more prone or we may find it a little bit easier to talk to somebody else about a situation and never talk to the Lord about that situation. And we should ask ourselves, why? Why would I be willing to sit down and talk to you for an hour or more and I'm struggling to pray three minutes if I've even prayed about this at all? Because the Lord ought to be to our... Uh, the Lord ought to be our go-to source. That's where we should turn in the times of prayer. It's not to say that, that it's wrong to talk to friends or family, but we also should consider the source of where we're going for information in, in that regard. In some instances, of course, that's all right. And in, in, in today's world, the world of social media, many, just, many people just place their perils online for the world to see. I've never figured that out. And then before you know it, advice starts flowing like a river. Sometimes from sources unknown. I feel, I feel conviction in the house. And then some people just lob enough over the fence to let the world know something's wrong. Things like, well, here we go again. The curiosity meter of the National Enquirer crowd is now in the red. They must know. They must, because inquiring minds must know. I don't subscribe to that, but I do check out in a grocery store line from time to time. And so they lob just enough over the fence, and that's intentional because they want attention. And they want people to know about their situation. Because when you do something like that, trust me, there are some people that won't sleep until they find out <laughs> what it is. It don't even have to be accurate. They just want to know. It don't even have to be related. They just want to know. 
when we really should pray. I got a little off task there, didn't I? Amen. But when we're faced with things, we need to look at the model of Jesus. And that's what our whole, that's what this whole series is all about. It is looking at the times when Jesus prayed. And so when he was faced with major decisions, the Bible says that he separated himself from the people. And can I tell you that he separated himself from some good people, some trusted people. Amen. And he separated himself for a season of prayer. Now, now the Bible talks about prayer from Genesis to Revelation. In the Garden of Eden, we find Adam communing with God and then all the way through to the book of Revelation, John petitioned God for an understanding of what he was seeing. But from Genesis to Revelation and all points in between, we find men and women, we find young and old praying and seeking the face of the Lord. These prayers shared one thing in common. They knew that the best thing they could do when facing challenging situations and challenging circumstances is to go to the Lord in prayer. Now, I'm not trying to sound super spiritual at all because there have been times that I have been so knocked down that you think after a while, you know, we probably ought to pray about this. Because you can just get overwhelmed with life. Paul talks about, uh, talk, Paul talks about uh, in one of the epistles about someone that is, uh, that you need to be careful lest they are, are, are overcome with overmuch. The term overmuch is there, overmuch sorrow. There is, there, is a, there is a point in, in the human mind and the psyche, the human emotion that you can just be overmuch, overload until the breaker trips and the circuit blows and you just don't know what to do in prayer. Prayer should be that means. I want to, I, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not rejoicing in that. I'm not certainly saying that happens all the time, but there have been times when you're just so knocked down that you don't really know what to do. But then I'm thankful for that moment of rationale and reason that says, you know what? The best thing we can do about this is pray. And we're going to pray. And I just want to say it again. Uh, through the years, there's no telling how many times I've said this from this pulpit. But don't ever get dejected when somebody says to you, we're going to pray about this. That ought to be the most encouraging word. If you understand the power of prayer, that ought to be the most encouraging thing that you can hear that someone says, we are going to pray about this. Amen. Because we are going to communicate with God. Prayer, that powerful that powerful position to be able to communicate with God and God communicate with us. Now, it's not intended, prayer is not intended to be a one-way conversation. It is really intended to be an interaction between God and humanity. And, and through prayer, he can lead us and guide us by his spirit. Because it does very little good to talk to God in prayer and if we just talk nonstop and then just simply walk away and never give the Lord an opportunity to, to just say anything or lay anything on our heart or impress a scripture on our heart. And so prayer, you, you, no one really wants to be in a one-sided conversation. You've, you've had those. We've all been subject to that where it's just a one-sided conversation. You, you just spend the whole time... You, you're trying to get, you've got something to say, you've got a thought, you've got something you'd like to contribute, but there just wasn't a break in the action there. No, 
you know, people, there are some people that can talk while they exhale and talk while they inhale. <laughs> skilled. They're very skilled. And if we're not careful, our prayers can become just that. We're just inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. It's just one long line. Just no, The sentence has no periods. It's just commas, 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 commas. Amen. And we get up and walk away. And I wonder, and I'm not trying to be comedic or too animated here, but I just wonder what the Lord is thinking. Like, I would have really liked to have said something. But you just walked away. Prayer can became, become a vain attempt to talk to God or touch Him if we're not going to listen as much as we're speaking. I want to come into the presence of the Lord with a listening ear. And I think there's some principles of prayer. We've taught on that many, many times. And, and uh, prayer has been a focus of our church from its inception, but certainly for, for many, many, many months now. Think up and, and, and uh, all of the things that we have been focusing on prayer. And here we are talking about it again today. And so when we face challenges in life, I know that we want to express ourselves to God. We want to talk to the Lord about it. That is the nature of the being. We want him to know how we're feeling emotionally and spiritually. And, and I'm going to tell you, I think that, it's, that there is a certain amount of liberty that comes to me at least from talking it out so I'm not suggesting that we go into prayer and we have no latitude to say anything that's not what I'm suggesting at all but I believe that we just really need absolutely to leave room in that prayer for the Lord to speak something to our heart I'm going to tell you that when I'm praying if you were to overhear me sometimes praying it doesn't sound like prayer because I'm talking to the Lord I'm talking to my Father Amen. I, I, I want to just talk to you, Lord. I, I know that your word teaches me that you understand the thought and the intent of my heart. And, and you know what's on my mind. And I, but I just got to say something to you. I, just, I need to ask a few questions. He's not obligated to answer them, but I need to ask a few questions. But if we're not careful uh, to listen to God's response, then we may leave our time of prayer with the same challenges, the same situations, the same problems that we had when we entered in, when we gather together in worship. I believe that corporate prayer should be and certainly is a part of our worship experience. And, and I think it's important also to understand while there are times that we ask people to pray for us or ask people to pray with us, I really think it's important to remember that nobody can take our place in prayer. Really, nobody can take our place in prayer. Somebody may can support me in prayer and pray for me. There have been times that we've certainly needed that. It's encouraging and it's uplifting to hear other people pray around us and even pray for us. But there are some things that God is, that can only be accomplished in our lives when we pray. When we pray. Amen. I really, I really, I hope you receive this right, but I really enjoy listening to people pray. But I can't really get the benefit of prayer if I just kind of stand beside somebody that I think really knows how to pray. And I really enjoy how they pray. I enjoy the words that they use. I enjoy, I enjoy the rhythm of their prayer, so to speak. But there are some things that God is only going to accomplish in my life and in yours by us praying. And so there have to be times that we remove ourselves uh, from everything else and from everyone else and go to God in prayer alone. I've got to distance myself from from 
other voices. I've got to distance myself from other noises. I've got to distance myself from distractions that can hinder us from hearing the voice of God. And I, I, I've said it so much in the last few years, but we do live in a very noisy society where our lives are filled with distractions. You know, there is never a time right now, for the most part, that, that we're not in touch with the world. There's never a time without notice we can get uh, an email, we can get a text message, we can get a phone call, we can get a voicemail because we would rather leave home without our shoes than our phone. <laughs> I can get by. These, these is gravel, it's not, this is pavement, it's not too hot. I can get by, I can, I, I, I can make it, but <laughs> we would drive back 30 miles one way to get our phone. And so we're this connectivity, and, and, and uh, I understand the, the benefit and the value and, and, uh, of uh, Bible programs and things of that nature and enjoy that from time to time. But sometimes I find it very distracting and have to turn it all off and just, you ready for this? And just pick up a paper Bible. What? Because our world is filled with distractions. It is filled with distractions. We live in a day where constant demands and, and time and our attention is just always, it's just right there. And our priorities can get out of balance so very quickly. We know we need to pray, but all too often we rush into our day thinking that maybe this 10 minutes of prayer will be sufficient. Maybe that will get me through the day. However, in truth, I have no idea what challenges might, that day may hold for me. And 10 minutes of prayer may not have been enough to even put a small covering over that day. Amen. Now, I, I want to clarify something. I'm thankful to have others pray. I'm thankful for the privilege of um, we have prayer teams in our church and when we get a notification of, of some crisis, uh, there's a message that goes out uh, to our prayer team coordinator and they contact people that are on our prayer team and we have somebody pray about that right then. As quickly as possible, we send out emails uh, to other people, the, 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 the remainder of our church, in many cases about special needs of prayer. But I want to say it again. No one can take our place in prayer. No matter, how much, no matter how much others pray for us, I need to also pray. Amen. Let your needs be known. I need to open my mouth. I need to let God know that I haven't given up on him. I haven't given up on his word. Amen. And so, so times and perhaps times that we are faced with challenges, our challenges come into our life. Amen. It may be that it, it is there to, to drive us to prayer, to provoke us to prayer. The word of God uh, can become hollow and, and hard to understand without a consistent prayer life. We need to pray. The psalmist declared in, in Psalms 119, he said, thy word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. And as I've often said, it is a lamp. It can illuminate right here and right now. Amen. Thank you for your word to help me here and now. But your word is also a light that can shine into my future. And I need your word for here and now. I need the illumination for today, but I need some illumination into my tomorrow as well. Amen. So this means that the word of God can, can direct us and it can lead us and it can guide us if we receive what it's saying. Amen. Trying to read the word of God really and truly without a bedrock of prayer is going to cause us to miss the depth of what God's word really holds. 
And so I think before times of Bible reading, uh, certainly before times of Bible study, that we should make a, uh, an effort of prayer, that we should have a season of prayer because it's only in prayer that we can align our spirit with God's spirit. And, here, and prayer helps us to focus upon what really matters. And so if we learn to make prayer a priority, then it allows the rest of all the priorities fall in line with God's detail. Amen. I want to make that a priority. I want to make it a priority. And uh, at the end of last year, we spent, and, and we've done it a few times since then, but we spent several days in, in a concerted effort of prayer. And I said all along, my prayer, my, my goal rather was not to try to get you to pray eight hours a day, but my goal was to try to get you to pray daily, all of us as a church to pray daily, create a habit of prayer, a habit of prayer. Amen. But I, I, the reason I'm not worried about how long you pray is because I know that prayer Prayer is a living seed. And if you just start praying, because there are times I can pray and pray through and pray efficiently and pray fervently in just a few minutes. There's other days that I've got to pray a while because I've got to push through some things and press through some things. And so we need to learn how to pray. And so we should make prayer a priority. Matthew 6 and 33, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, everything what you need in life, that will be added unto you. Prayer aligns our life with kingdom concepts. Prayer aligns our thinking. Our thinking becomes more clear, especially when we are called on to make major decisions. Without prayer, we run the risk of allowing our flesh to override the spirit when it comes to these decisions. Prayer is certainly a necessary thing when we are making big decisions. The Bible is full of examples of people who prayed before making big decisions. When Moses made his second journey up to Mount Sinai, prayer was the foremost thing on his mind. I must pray because he said, I must hear from God before I approach these people again. I've got to hear, I must hear from the Lord. It was a pivotal moment in the history of Israel. The sin of building the golden calf I just preached about the other night had been committed and it had been judged. And Moses, upon realizing that the anger of God was kindled against the children of Israel, he, man, he called on the Lord. He called on him. He went back to the mountain to intercede to God on Israel's behalf. And during this prayer, he spoke these words. If your presence, and I preached about this scripture a few weeks ago. Amen. I'm thankful for the overlapping promises here. If your presence does not go with us, then don't even bother to bring us half out of it. We've got to have your anointing. We've got to have your spirit. We've got to have your guidance. Amen. God had declared that he would, that he would bring his people up out of Canaan. Moses realized the weight of that decision and he refused to go one step further before he prayed. He was not just going to give into his flesh and do what he wanted to do but he was going to engage God in prayer. Moses' successor, a man by the name of Joshua, recognized his need for prayer. And during a very important battle, Joshua paused and he sought the face of the Lord in prayer. Amen. As the sun, you may remember this story. Some of you may remember the story. When the sun was beginning to set, as darkness began to approach, he realized they were facing a monumental task. And if the sun goes down, 
is going to allow the enemy to slip in and possibly destroy us. He could have resigned himself to the law of nature and said, oh, well, you know, it is what it is. And, and the sun rises and the sun sets. I mean, he could have accepted this as just hopeless fate. But instead, the Bible says that he stood up among the army and he prayed to God. He began to intercede on their behalf. He became so emboldened in prayer that he looked to the sun. <clears throat> Amen. He looked to the sun and to the sun he said, stand still. Stand still. What a prayer. Amen. What boldness, what courage, what prayer. Amen. Joshua was not going to rely on his training. He was not going to rely on the strength of his army. He was not going to rely on what they had accomplished in the past. He realized we can never do this on our own. I need God to move in. I need God to intervene. Amen. And so here we find that he just says to the son, stop. You just stand still. In 2 Samuel 5, we read the account of David. As he was going to prayer after the Philistines had charged him in the valley of Rephraim, he had recently been anointed king and the Philistines were seeking now an opportunity to kill him. And so as you can imagine, this would bring a pretty good measure of fear if you thought somebody was trying to kill you. <laughs> and they meant it. Amen. And they meant it. And so it was a type of fear that could drive a man into hiding. This was serious business. It seemed the future of God had promised David was about to be taken away before all of this could even unfold. Instead of hiding in fear, 2 Samuel 5 and 23 says that David inquired of the Lord. <laughs> David inquired of the Lord and in the face of death David went to God in prayer he went with an open heart he went with an open mind and the Lord responded amen can you say amen to that and the Lord responded and when David inquired of the Lord he said thou shalt not go up but fetch a compass behind them and come upon them over against the mulberry trees and let it be when thou hearest the sound of the going to the tops of the mulberry trees <clears throat> that then thou shalt bestir thyself, for then, for then shall the Lord go before thee. Amen, you better, you, you better listen close. We better lean in because God has given him some specific instructions. He said when you hear the sound of the mulberry trees, amen, right then, that's when you need to stir yourself. Right then, that's when the Lord is gonna go before thee. Amen, and smite the host of the Philistines. Now, this was probably not what David expected to hear. He didn't expect God to tell him to slip behind the enemy. He didn't, he didn't uh, and hide and wait for the wind to blow the mulberry trees. That's probably not how David envisioned all of this flowing out or falling out. You see, often we want the Lord to just fix it. Because, because after all, he could... <laughs> Amen, we're guilty of praying and we already have in our mind how God's gonna do it. You know, he's probably 
we get pretty angelic about this sometimes. He's probably going to do it just like this, and he'll probably then move over here and do it like that and do it this way. Amen. And so here is God moving in a way that David didn't have any idea. He didn't see this coming. But I'm going to tell you, just because God was going to move in an unorthodox fashion was not a sign that, David, you better listen because there's instructions. If you go before the trees are blowing, I'm not going to go with you. If you go after all of this, I may not be there. But as soon as you hear, he said, bestir yourself. Move right then. Amen. Move right then. And let the Spirit of God touch our heart and move in our lives. All of these scriptural examples of praying in the face of challenges, none, none are more impacting than the prayers of Jesus at the time of our text. In our text, we find Jesus spending the night in prayer before selecting 12 apostles. And this would be one of the greatest and I think one of the most impacting decisions, one of the most, that he would make. He knew the effects of this decision were going to be felt long, long, long after he was gone. I'm, I am making a decision here today that other people are going to have to live with. It was a decision that included many, many factors. And so, you know, how, how can you choose 12 from among so many? And, and who's the most qualified and who can do this? And who has the most spiritual disciplines in order to be able to follow my word? Who can I trust that in my absence they will just carry on as commanded? It was a big decision. So how could you make that decision? Well, he spent the night in prayer. He spent the night in prayer. I want to leave you with a couple of thoughts this morning as we uh, begin, as we begin to close. Prayer is such an important thing. There's never going to be a time where prayer will lose its necessity or will lose its value. There's never going to be a time you can say, well, I've got so many prayers in the bank. I can just start making withdrawals. I don't have to pray anymore. There will never be a moment of that. Ever. There will never, ever be a moment of that. Prayer is an important thing. Such an important thing. So I just leave you today with a few things that I, questions that I would like for you to answer in your own spirit. But if someone were to ask you when you pray and where you pray and you don't have a ready answer, you may not have a healthy prayer life. Someone says, Brother Randy, when do you pray? He said, well... And I realize you may not pray the same time every day, but... There should be an answer to that question. If someone asks you, where do you pray? I understand, again, that may be a, a multiple answer. There may be multiple answers to that, but I think that we all should have a specific place of prayer. Now, you don't have to dedicate a whole room in your house, and burn incense, build an altar. Have a replica of the Ark of the Covenant in there. <laughs> but there should be some place in your house that that's, that's, that's my go-to place. 
that's where I'm going. Is this all right? I want to ask our men something today. I want to ask the men if you're teaching your sons to pray and if you're teaching them to worship. Don't wait until they're 12. Don't think you can just meet them down the road at 18. But are you teaching your sons to pray now? I know it wasn't all that long ago I used this illustration, and so forgive me if it seems too redundant, but many years ago, I wasn't there, but many years ago I, I heard uh, Brother Billy Cole, many of you may recognize that name, who was just a, a great missionary and greatly used in Ethiopia and, and, uh, and that region of the world. And so he was talking about intercessory prayer. He was teaching a, uh, he was teaching a Bible lesson, uh, maybe in a school of missions or something of that nature, and he was teaching... On, uh, on intercessory prayer. And so, so a student in, in, the, in the class raised their hand and said, can you, can you really just tell us what intercessory prayer is? And he said, well, I, I can't tell you, but I can show you. And they said he just set down the microphone and he closed the book and he just laid down on the floor and just launched into a season of intercessory prayer. Amen. I remember as a young man preaching in Potts Camp, Mississippi. and It was the very first time I'd ever preached away from home and, and I, I was humbled to be anywhere preaching and I was certainly humbled to be in Potts Camp and Elder J. Frank Wilson and, and uh, long before I knew anything about this significant place, that morning he said, I want you to go with me. So we walked out his house and his backyard and out into the woods and here was a log and he said this is where I come to pray I don't want you to think this too odd but in their new sanctuary Elder Bishop Wilson has been dead for many many years but they have that little log in the foyer <laughs> amen because in truth that's what that church was built on so an old broken down chair he said he said that chair, and that he named the history and, and men of renown who had come and prayed. And one man was so sick he had to sit and pray. And, and uh, I believe it was Brother Witherspoon, and he just left that chair. And it was just a rusted frame by the time I got there. But he said, God has met with me here so many times. I'm thankful for people who said, I want to. They didn't just say, an elder didn't just say, you know what, you really need to develop a prayer life. But when we got through with our coffee that morning, he said, I want you to come with me. And he taught me the value of prayer. And so I ask you dads, are you teaching by example prayer? Not just in church. Prayer in your home. Prayer in your life. Do your son see hot, salty tears running down your face? Are you teaching your children, your sons, are you teaching your sons to not be filled with wrath because the Bible talks about that all men everywhere would lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Are you teaching them the importance of being able to lift up holy hands in the sanctuary? And if not, you need to ask yourself why. I want to ask the ladies today, are you teaching your daughters how to pray prayers of intercession? 
Are you exampling prayer before them? When they are fevered, are we teaching them the value of prayer? Are you leading them by example as a worshiper? Or, or, or are they having to watch somebody else? Are they having to pick that up somewhere else? We need to be a worshiper in the house of the Lord. Are you leading by example in the modesty of dress? Are you leading that? Are you modeling that? Are you parenting that in the presence of your daughters? Amen. And if not, you need to ask yourself why. I want to ask mothers and fathers alike, influencers, whether you are biological, but influencers and aunts and uncles, are you teaching those that are being influenced by you, are you teaching them to pray, to pray? Maybe more importantly, are we showing them how to pray? And so to everyone in this building as we stand, I'm going to ask you a question. Are you ready? Everybody listening? Now, I just, I just have a personal thing. Um, I'm, I'm not proud of this, but it's just a little hiccup. I, one of many. But I don't like to talk to people that are, not, that are doing something else. It bugs me. Because it leaves me the strong impression you're not listening. So sometimes if I'm in a private conversation with somebody and they're reaching around feeling, I just stop talking. Not to be rude, but I'm not talking for entertainment purposes. I want you to hear what I got to say. And so I want you to hear what I got to say. And I want to ask you, do you have a prayer life? Do you have a prayer life? Do you have a regular place of prayer? As much as possible, do you have a regular time? Amen. The question of the day certainly is, do we pray before making big decisions? Do we really pray and ask God, help me see. Don't let me get caught up in, in this. It's a job promotion. It's, it's, and maybe that's what you've longed to do. And, and, but you should really pray and ask the Lord, how is this going to affect me down the road? Because if it's going to take you away from church and out of church, if it's going to, those things, that we need God's will to be done in our life. If this is going to interrupt the flow of what God is trying to use you in, I'll promise you this, that if you work for a less amount per hour, God can make that up if we stay in his will. He will. He will make that up. As a matter of fact, if we, if we get ourselves out of balance with God, you can, you can be making a whole lot more money. I'm going to talk about money because that's close to all of our heart. You can make a whole lot more money, but the Bible talks about you can put it in bags with holes in it. And you can make more and it can be less at the end of the day. Amen. I'm being very, very honest with you. And so we need to ask ourselves, are we praying before making big decisions? We need to. We certainly should. Because it's only as we see life from the perspective of the Lord that we really understand the value of what God is wanting to do in our life. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the times when Jesus prayed because he's our model, he's our example. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place today. Amen. There's a sweet spirit here, and it's not because of the preacher. There's a sweet spirit because of the word, and the word is true. And the word is sincere and, 
and the word works. And so I want to put God to the test today and let him speak to our hearts. I wonder if we would just slip our hands up across the building. Amen. And can we ask God to touch us today in this holy house, strengthen us by your power and your authority today, Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.